Welcome to episode 145 of Friends of Film. We're here to bring the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, which this week is First Man. As always, I'm your host, Kubrud, and this week I'm joined by Josh Straley. Hello, everyone. Um, and I kind of have a question Okay. this week. I want to have a horror movie night, but I don't know the most like adult and sophisticated way to say, <laughs> hey, guys, come watch movies in my house or whatever. Uh-huh. Is, is there any way to do that and not sound whiny? Um, I mean, I don't know. Just like invite people. Yeah. Is that it? Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think so. I think that's yeah. all it takes. Just think- be like, Hey guys, it's Halloween ish. Uh, I want to watch a bunch of scary movies. You're more than welcome to come bring a snack. Does it make me sound like I'm 13? No. Okay. I don't think, I mean, I don't think so, but I don't know. Well, um, to stay updated on my social anxieties and uh, film habits, uh, follow me on Twitter at just Joshua Ryan. Yeah. And where can they find us on Twitter as a whole? That's a great question. Um, on Twitter, you can get us at Friends in Film, all of our latest updates. And for the rest of our shows, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And now, drumroll please. Spotify. Yeah. Um, that's right. We went live on there Monday, so head over there. But if you can, on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. Your rates really help our rank, and our rank helps other viewers find us. Yeah. I don't really know much about Spotify's podcast app or their portal or whatever. Mm-hmm. Can they rate and review us on Spotify? They cannot. Oh. That'll be all based on views. Okay. Everything in plays and things like that, which all gets ported over from our stream so oh so it's like a collective they mm-hmm. spotify tallies everything across all platforms from the soundcloud account which, okay. is, which is which is where we host right okay i have no idea i'll get you the <laughs> analytics page all right that'd be cool we can check out figure out how many people are tuned into our first uh man review but before we get into our review for that movie mm-hmm. josh we've each watched other movies this week we have what is one thing you watched well, I have two, but oh. I have one question about these, okay? Okay. I caught for the first time Seven and L.A. Confidential, mm-hmm. um, both fantastic movies. David Fincher, it's just, it's, it was, it's the, Seven is like the peak grime and grunge of like 90s cinema, mm-hmm. I think for me. So good. Um, but L.A. Confidential, just as good, fun, like a, like a real good cop drama. Yeah. Um, a lot more to it. Russell Crowe is young. It's kind of funny thinking of nice guys as sort of like the older cynical yeah. version of that character in a lot <laughs> who of else ways. Is, uh, it's uh, uh kevin spacey, kevin spacey as well and then as guy pierce guy pierce i was like mm-hmm. it's not sam rockwell no <laughs> oh man sam rockwell could play the guy guy pierce in a is devito in that too devito is okay. in that too yeah he plays like a little uh and then uh, beat reporter kate bessinger is that the girl mm-hmm. okay yep but my question is this Kevin Spacey is in these movies. Yes. Now, I'm okay with him in Seven because he ends up, you know, he's a serial killer. (laughs) Spoilers. Um, But L.A. Confidential, he's more central to the plot. Uh Uh-huh. Am I still allowed to like that movie? I I mean... I don't. I don't want to tell you sure what you can and cannot like, but I think that's just up to each individual person to mm-hmm. separate artist from the person themselves. So it's like, you know, when uh, Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald comes around in like three or four weeks, it's like, do I like Johnny Depp? I mean, not as a person necessarily, but could he make a great Grindelwald? Sure, that's definitely possible. Do I not like Kevin Spacey as a person? That's correct. Yes. But can I still like him as an actor? I would say yes. 
I mean, maybe some of like, especially with like his older stuff, I think it's easier to kind of look back and mm-hmm. see them then in a different light instead sure. of like what they are, like what you view them as now. Yeah. But I, I mean, it's up to Fair. each individual person, I guess. Okay. Just checking. But how about you, sir? I watched uh, not a lot um, of like movies that are like old that I missed or anything this week. It okay. was all new stuff sure. that was coming out. So a couple of Netflix movies, but the one I'm going to talk about, which a review should be up on friendsofhome.wordpress.com by the time this is published, is Bad Times at the El Royale, the uh. latest from Drew Goddard, and it was a very good time at the cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so much fun. The cast is great. Uh, it was really great to see Drew Goddard kind of shine as a director in this capacity, even though, I mean, he did so as the director of Cabin in the Woods, but this feels less like a Joss whedon movie that Cabin in the Woods was, mm-hmm. more what I believe is a Drew Goddard movie yeah. in Bad Times. Um, it's still got kind of the fun dialogue, but it's the mystery and the twist and the multiple narrative perspective of the movie that I think is really fun, and the less you know about it, I think the better. So you can kind of be surprised as it unfolds because like, even though if you have seen the market, I don't want, I'm trying not to get too specific and it's hard to talk about this movie without like (laughs) spoiling things. Multiple narratives already sounds fantastic. But like if you've, if you've seen the trailer, there's like a hook to it Mm -hmm. and thankfully the movie doesn't wait that long to unveil that hook. Like I was concerned that the hook was going to be like revealed dead the whole time type of thing. Right, or like revealed like halfway through, yeah. but it's more like revealed 20, 25 minutes in, and it's like, oh, okay, cool. Now the next two hours can all be about what that means. Yeah. So it, it's, it's very well done. It's very cool. Um, Fun fact. Excellent. Did you know Drew Goddard directed the first episode of The Good Place? Yeah, because he is the uh, executive producer, creator, I think. I did not know that. Yeah, him and He's Michael Schur. Yeah. He's also supposed to do a Sinister Six movie. He was the original showrunner on the first season of Daredevil, which Daredevil season three comes in next week. Um, but then he had to leave that to go do Sinister Six, and Sinister Six got canceled. And then he went on to become an Oscar-nominated writer for The Martian. So I think it all kind of worked out for yes. Drew. Um, and unfortunately, it looks like his other super project, X-Force, probably won't be going through. But we'll talk about that another time. Josh, first man is out. We're it- both big Damien Chazelle fans. You are a massive Ryan Gosling fan. I am a huge So fan. this is uh, kind of the perfect movie for you. Mm-hmm. It was your number one for the fall. It, yes, it is my number one for the fall. My most anticipated yes. for this season. And it was my number two, if my memory serves me correctly. So we have a lot riding on this movie. Yeah. Did it deliver for you? Totally delivered. Um, and the way it delivered in the way that um, I didn't expect. And honestly, I don't know what I expected from this movie because the trailers were kind. They, they weren't that great, and I think yeah, I said you were as not much. A fan. Uh, but in the context of the story, the exhaustive two hours and twenty minutes, um, easily Chazelle's slowest moving film of all time. Mm. Um, I found I found kind of like a. I, I found the feeling. I found the joy of this film, but also the tension, the nerve, and a lot of the drama mm-hmm. um, that is kind of bucketed into the beginning, middle, and end of the story in great ways. Um, it's grand. It's got this monumental moment in our U.S. history in it. But the better and my favorite part is just the quiet middle 
or the you know the in between moments where Ryan Gosling gets to be Neil Armstrong, the quiet, uh, humble Ohioan from Wampanoag, and him you see him and his wife uh, played by Claire Foy brilliantly, mm-hmm. um, who just again uh, is going to be the one of the best actresses we have yeah. going forward. She's one of the main reasons I'm so excited about Girl in the Dragon Tat or Girl in the Spider's Web. I am totally reevaluating how I feel about that movie <laughs> based off of this performance. I really am. Um and I guess its greatest strength is just being unafraid to take it slow and show us just just let Ryan Gosling and Claire Foy act as these two people and talk about or bring all of the events around them of this space race of the pressures of, of the drama of the you know the tension mm-hmm. that they're feeling to beat the soviets and get to the moon and not make these mistakes and try to keep those away from their family life and still be able to be normal and that seems to be what neil's struggling with and it's added to with the weight of his the death of his daughter mm-hmm. which is which is the sweetest thread throughout this entire movie um but when we get to the actual, I guess, action, the space stuff, yeah, gorgeous, brilliant, but also nerve, nerve, nervous, and you know, kind of jarring mm-hmm. as it really sits you in there. It doesn't really care for the spectacle. Mm. It just wants you to sort of to feel what they're going through, and there's no better place for that on IMAX. Um, just, I think, just the sound in general is what really puts you in that moment and it's brilliant um it's kind of a shame though because justin Hurwitz's score is so lovely that it kind of gets pushed to the background (laughs) like the sound mixing does not favor that band at all but still there are moments where you just you can feel a little bit of la la land and a little Mm -hmm. bit of um whiplash and you're like yeah yeah i think i think it's the the moon landing uh, sequence there's uh, it's probably my favorite piece of music from the movie it's very good but before that though during their training um with the the gyro oh the yeah axis there's a little bit of bass going mm-hmm. through there and it's just quintessential them <laughs> and i loved it um surrounding cast and everything else uh scott's buzz aldrin mm-hmm. is excellent he's a quipster and funny and he kind of just resembles the man we know in media today so that was perfect <laughs> kyle chandler is terrific as well cyril hines who had forgotten was in this movie mm-hmm. has three or four moments where you're like guy acts yeah um but all in all just love it to death um it's beautiful and gorgeous and um i think really emotionally powerful for someone who we haven't really ever been able to see in public life yeah. because he retreated from it almost mm-hmm. as soon as he got back to the planet yep uh so five out of five ticket stubs yeah all right so one of your one of your favorites of the year my, my favorite of the year favorite favorite five of the year yes is there a favorite four and a half that is is there a four and a half that is more of your favorite no but so like, it's your I've, favorite film of the year yes but i've given other films five yeah so it's like but as i rank those fives yeah yeah this but i'm just saying of, like I'll just clarify this. He said, sure. oh, it's my favorite five. I was like, is there a four or four and a half that would oh, no, no, somehow no, 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 no. jockey position above First Man of your like, favorite film of the year list? Of films that I believe are flawless, this is my favorite. Okay. Of a, who have, which I've given five tickets to. Okay. There we Excellent. Go. Uh, I think that this movie is great as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's a weird thing to say that I think this is 
Chazelle's. It's my least favorite Chazelle movie. Yeah. Because Whiplash is incredible. Mm-hmm. La La Land is incredible. This one is also incredible, but it's just like, if I had to say which one's my favorite, I feel like right now it would be third, but that could obviously change over time. But anyways, um, I think the bulk of this movie rides obviously on Ryan Gosling's shoulders as Neil Armstrong. Um, I thought he was surprisingly, or this is tough to say, surprisingly great because there were like the, the, the main critiques I saw of this movie beforehand was like, you know, the movie is exceptionally well made by Chazelle, but it's, it's Gosling that maybe is the, the, the toughest sell because he's like emotionless because that's how Neil Armstrong was. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a cold character to try to, you know, keep in touch with throughout the movie. Yeah. But then like the movie starts and like, he's got, he has a breakdown like within the first like 10 minutes and then like he's cracking jokes and he's having a good time with other astronauts. And I was like, man, like what are these people talking about? Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like he, like Gosling had a really great performance in this movie because he was able to kind of show all sides of it. He was able to show the home life side of Neil Armstrong where he's, you know, at home with the kids having fun. Um, but then he's also showing him in the stresses of the jobs, like not panicking, just being calm, collected and be like, I'm going to get this done. I'm not going to black out. Um, and the movie itself I thought was much funnier than I was anticipating. Like there, there are like some legitimate laugh out loud moments. And I was just like, this just does not strike me as what I should be doing in this movie, but it fits with the tone. Like when they're doing the gyrosphere stuff, which Mm -hmm. that scene by itself is crazy because I was kind of getting sick myself, just like watching it. I was like, uh, man, like this is some dizzying stuff. And then like you just see like the throw up montage yes. cutting to the, the pilots, uh, you know, in night school. And then it's mm-hmm. like page one of 604. <laughs> they're, like they have like throw up on their chest and they're just like looking around like, are you guys serious? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, there's like these great comedic beats that I think play really well off of the quieter stuff where Neil is being more um, closed off from everybody else, especially from his wife. And, then that's juxtaposed to the brilliant uh, space sequence at the very end, but then also all of the training flight sequences, which are done with a, a, a super shaky cam, where it's, it's it's very tough to really know what's going on. But I think Chazelle does that, not because he doesn't want you to see what's actually happening, but he wants you to feel like you're in there. Yeah. And I think he does that excellently. Um, someone who saw them film the last night told me they couldn't understand a single thing going on during the space stuff. I'm mm-hmm. like, I think that was the yeah. point. It's not about like, who cares if you know what the repulsors are doing right. or things <laughs> like that or their fuel levels. Um, it's just about knowing you can intuit that, oh boy, it's going to be close mm-hmm. and they are on a razor's edge yeah. inside of that, I mean, thin aluminum mm-hmm. husk out there in space. Yeah, I saw somebody point out that's like, unlike most, um, you know, going to the moon stories or anything, like you don't see Apollo 11 actually take off. You're just in there with the cockpit. And like, that's so against what most of these movies do. Like they want to show you the big explosion, the fire, the smoke. They want you to show like the, the spaceship itself rocketing off into space. And it's like that. We don't get that in this movie. You just see it from their perspective, you see the rattling cage. Um, you see them trying to figure out what's going on and experience kind of like the, one of the first entries into space with these rockets. And, um, it's really exhilarating. It's really well done. Um, the supporting cast is great. Um, you already ran through most of the names and Claire Foy. I mean, man, uh, is she great? Like whether it's when she is like yelling at them for being boys, not men, mm-hmm. or when then she like confronts Neil by the end of the movie, it's just like, that is, 
some Oscar winning caliber stuff from Claire Foy. And I'll be pretty surprised if she's not in the Oscar race um, early next year. So all in all, I thought this movie was great. Um, my only kind of flaw was that it is a little like you mentioned, it's the slowest movie. Yeah. So it gets a little slow in the middle. And mm-hmm. then there's also some of that, I think, emotional connection you need to have with Neil where I did feel for him. But then there's I think I could have felt for him more. But it's tough to really criticize the movie because that is Neil. So yeah. it's more of like a, a criticism of Neil Armstrong as a person and sure. his personality. But I still feel like it hurts the movie just a little bit. So I'm going to go just under five to four and a half. Okay. Take a stubs out of five. And yeah, yeah. this man is great. You have to buy into his or really try to connect to the loss of his daughter, Karen. Mm-hmm. And that that's what those, um, I guess, low moments are for is to sort of say he's not over it. And that's something that I guess Josh Singer kind of like was really important to the screenwriter mm-hmm. as he put those in, which culminates into, can we move into spoilers? Yeah. All right. Spoilers culminates in him letting Karen's bracelet, mm-hmm. which he'd kept over the last decade, um, let, he buried it on the moon yeah. um, as a memento, which some people, I guess, are, which is speculation on Singer's part. It's speculation amongst um, his friends and family. Right. Because Singer based it off of a book that I don't remember the guy's name, but somebody wrote like a biography about mm-hmm. Neil Armstrong titled first man for titled first man. And in that person, the author spent like years with Neil Armstrong and his family. And he hypothesized first that he believes that he did that Neil Armstrong did this. Mm-hmm. So Singer and Chazelle are basically borrowing that idea from the biography yeah. and then surprised putting it in the movie so it's not like a yes this is actually truth it is a combination of speculation and it being plausible i guess exactly because astronauts took momentums Mm -hmm. for those that have lost to the moon um like it was a common practice yeah i mean they believe it kind of got started by those two um but we'll know for sure in 2020 when his manifest gets unsealed from Purdue university's library oh so right. Fun fact there. We'll know for <laughs> sure. Um, but if not, it's it's the sweetest thing, too. And it kind of um, it ties up this story of Neil evading his family, evading his wife, not wanting to deal with anything mm-hmm. that, you know, even remotely reminds him of Karen. Yeah. Because he just shoves that bracelet in a, a drawer, never to be seen until that final moment mm-hmm. again. And it's just kind of like he's been running from it all over the place. And then finally he gets to the moon, the furthest he could, he'll ever possibly be, you know, from his daughter. Right. And that's where he can find his solace. And I'm just like, oh, that's so sweet. Um, But that, yeah, that that was, that was like the moment where I was like, this is perfect. Yeah. The Karen, yeah. That stuff with the, with Karen, him not dealing with like her loss, I guess, really well. Um, I felt kind of at it like, uh, I don't know. Neil was almost portrayed almost as like, a soldier going through like PTSD at some points in the movie where like, um, you know, like I just watched American sniper a couple weeks ago. And like in that movie, you see like when Bradley Cooper starts off, you know, he's just kind of a regular guy. But then as he continues through the war for four tours, his, he becomes more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, inner, inner, whatever. Yeah. Because more of like an introvert Mm -hmm. and like, that is that I feel like that's the same kind of path Neil goes on, but it's more of just him trying to not deal with Karen with the loss of Karen. Cause even when like, um, and then when other people, you know, die as part of the Apollo program, he kind of does the same thing. Like there's the, there's a point where I don't remember the guy's name, but there, um, that's like his, that's like their buddy. Oh, that's right. 
Um, I'm gonna say Gus, but that's not right. And Eth- played by Ethan Embry. I'm not sure. Um, or maybe it's Dave Scott. I don't know. Either way, storms out of the funeral. Janet asks um, Jason Clark's Edward Edward White. He's like, nah, not really. And then, you know, Jason goes back to try to talk to out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think I'm in the backyard looking at the moon because I want to talk to somebody? Yeah. And Jason Clark just like talk about Karen briefly with um, Edward White just before Edward White dies. Yeah. Um, so like it kind of comes full circle. And I, I mean, I, I really, I liked that aspect of it. I just kind of wish, as I mentioned that you maybe got a little bit more of Neil's actual emotions outside of the breakdown right after she died early on. Yeah, for sure. And it's right. Some kind of like little hint, maybe with Janet that he was feeling something. Yeah. Cause it's, man, I feel like it's impossible that they would never talk, but mm-hmm. singer, it sounds like Singer and everyone was obsessive about, you know, getting, getting right. this right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just like with the experience in the the X-Planes, the X-51s, I think is what it's called. The X-51 plane or, you know, the Gemini and Apollo yeah. craft. I mean, if they went that yeah. simple answer. Well, like, yeah, that that may be something that's in the um, the biography, too. Yeah. So, yeah, at least that he never talked about her um, existing there, then I feel like that's where they'd get it from. I called Corey stole Scott. Yeah. 10 seconds ago. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I apologize. It's okay. <clears throat> um, I mean, there's, I feel like there's not really a lot to talk about with first man in terms of it, spoiler stuff. No, it's an experience more than it is a story, but it's also the story as well. So what is, what's the better IMAX? Well, I get, did you see Dunkirk and IMAX? I did see Dunkirk and IMAX. What's a better IMAX experience, Dunkirk or First Man? Dunkirk is still the better IMAX experience because there's so much going on. Okay. That movie is relentless That's fair. in every single way. The quiet moments, or the, the, the downbeats, if you mm-hmm. will, aren't really that. They're just um, Kenneth Bronner saying, we need more boats. And then next right. thing you know, you're right back at it in the cockpit with Tom Hardy or you're trying to survive um, with... You know, uh, the with Harry Styles, with Harry Styles, I was gonna say the Backstreet Boy, that's not right. You know, um, hoping he doesn't drown mm-hmm. or things like that. But I will say that First Man in IMAX is way better looking film than anything. Than Dunkirk. Yes. And I think this is because I'm becoming a nerd or what, I don't know what the case is, but um, they shot this on 16 millimeter, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, obviously smaller than 32 or large format. Yeah. So you can really get a sense, at least on IMAX, you can really get like, you can really see some of the film grain and how yeah. spot, not say spotty, but just um, there's a more tangible feel mm-hmm. to it. And you're like, did they pull this from the archives? Well, right. That's what I was like. I, I love that choice because it makes it almost feel like a home movie exactly. kind of where it's yes. just like, Oh, like, especially when there's like a scene probably, I mean, 30 to 40 minutes in where, uh, Claire Foy is at the pool with another one with, um, uh, Jason Clark's wife and mm-hmm. then all of their kids are kind of running around and it, it is shot like it is a home video where he's like you're following the kids and it, it's very like jump cutty and but it feels like you're not supposed to be there and I feel like that does a really great job yeah for first man of making you feel like you are experiencing this instead of watching this as a movie right like you're peer, like you're peering over the fence right. that that was a really good way to describe it um pat is the um, mm-hmm. olivia hamilton's character yeah who is fun fact the 
girl complaining about her gluten bagel in La La Land. Oh. Because <laughs> I knew I'd seen her somewhere before. I guess that makes sense. So I pulled, I pulled La La Land back up and I'm like, I think she's in here somewhere. I thought initially she was one of Stone's friends. Uh-huh. But um, turns out she's just like oh. a lady complaining about the bagel. That's funny. <laughs> so, but excellent job as um, a grief-stricken wife yeah. for that part. Hopefully that means a larger role for her going forward. Yeah. Um, but yeah brilliant and it just especially shows up in like these warm lit areas mm-hmm. i think there's a spot where claire floy is kind of just standing in the in the in a door frame with the light of the window coming through another like really perfect yeah. shot yeah the movie looks excellent throughout um as you mentioned the music earlier it's great throughout um i don't really i didn't i didn't catch any like the sound mixing problems you were mentioning but um oh i just said that it was kind of relegated to the background i think i guess that's it wasn't like here's here's uh justin's score (laughs) listen to it it was sort of like oh that's going on but just look at the screen please okay or gotcha gotcha, shaking and rattling (laughs) yeah um i mean i think that's all i have to say about first man it's definitely one of the year's best um i wouldn't say it's my personal favorite movie of the year but it is probably top five maybe Top six, it's tough. It is tough. It's a tough. It's year. been a long year. Yeah, so. I got to figure out where bad time slides in. So mm-hmm. it, there's a lot of good stuff out in theaters right now. Let me just tell you that for Between, sure. Uh, first Man and Bad Times and First not First Man again, A Star Is Born, and then even if you like Venom, then there's just like there's something for everybody. Maybe even Goosebumps Two is good. I have no idea. Uh, maybe I'll check that out one day. But. Uh, yeah. I have one more thing okay. or two more things. Okay. First of all, did it feel like a lot of the shots were just a slightly a bit out of focus? Yeah. I didn't know if that was, that, that may have been the theater. We'll have to talk to Colton. Okay. That's right. <laughs> Colton is a projectionist. So, or his manager slash yeah. projection. He He's, does projection. Yeah. He knows a lot of things. Uh, but yeah, we'll figure it out about that. But it looked like everything was kind of out, a bit out of focus. And I was like, that, oh, that's Yeah. I had the choice. same experience with, I think it, it was mean? Black Klansman, I think it was. Oh, okay. At the same theater? I think so. Gotcha. So I don't know. Maybe it's just the IMAX camera is not totally focused there. Hmm. All right. And then I forgot my second thing. So I'm good to go. The flag controversy. Yeah. Dumb. Yeah. I mean, like I, I just took it more of like, cause you, the, the flag is there. Like you see it on the moon planted. You just don't see them actually plant it in the moment, which I'm fine with because this is a Neil Armstrong story, not Mm -hmm. a, here's the u.s race to get to the moon yeah like there are those elements to it obviously right but this is neil's story like you don't see what Corey Stoll's doing once he gets on the moon mm-hmm. you just you well, just follow you, neil step on go over to the side and then toss the bracelet like that's yeah. it but, but the best part is when you see aldrin just kind of like jumping hopping around, around. Yeah. like he's like <laughs> having a party it's like oh that's i don't know buzz aldrin but it seems like something he would have done i mean how could you not do that if oh you're yeah on the moon? exactly I mean, come on I went golfing on there eventually too, or yeah. no, maybe that was a later Apollo mission. Um, but yeah, okay, I, that's all I have. That is all we have oh, on. Oh, I figured never mind. it out. I just love how this movie demythologized sort of, you know, the moon landing. It's only been fifty years. Forty nine. Oh, okay. Next year's gonna be fifty, Correct. so it's like, what's the big space movie that's gonna come out next year for the fiftieth mm-hmm. anniversary? You think there should be something? There's gotta be. Oh, Star Wars Episode Nine. <laughs> that, 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 yeah, that counts. Um, but just it sort of took the glamour out of NASA mm-hmm. and made it all about grit and hard work in a way that The Martian did, but just less on the science side and more yeah. on the this is this is the real spirit of adventure. 
strapping yourself to a tin can loaded with rockets, mm-hmm. you know, and with rockets strapped to it and hurled into space. Like, that's insane. Yeah. But we did it because the Soviets were doing it. Or, and then, you know, and all sorts of other things mm-hmm. too. But, like, that is crazy <laughs> and cool. And like, as Neil says in the movie, neat. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a lovely little point. Okay. So, all right, that is all we have on First Man. Obviously, high recommendations for both of us. Must go see, and especially one, because we're both assuming this will be in the Oscar race in some way, shape, or form come next February. Definitely. So, uh, we'll have to wait and see, obviously, what categories it really starts into, but director, best picture, best lead. Sandgren will probably get a cinematography. Yeah. Um, And then Claire Foy, obviously, mm -hmm. I think she's got to get one, um, at least from what I've seen so far. So uh, those are our thoughts on First Man. Go check it out and then obviously come back and tell us what you guys thought about the movie as well. Uh, But we'll be right back in a bit with the news. back with the news and as always we're going to start with our three main topics this week there's some big topics to talk about there are and closure for once in our lives yeah <laughs> kind yeah i mean a couple of closures actually um the first one is basically the resolving of the james gunn situation exactly. at marvel um because he joined dc mm-hmm. the rap uh, was the first to report depending on who you believe online uh that james gunn is set to write and possibly direct the next suicide squad movie this has since been confirmed by warner brothers like they have come out and said yes james gunn is writing the new suicide squad movie they have not confirmed that he will eventually direct it but that it looks like it is the goal but the twist of this whole thing isn't that he left Marvel to go join DC. It is that THR's Boris Kitt shared that this may not be an actual sequel to the first Suicide Squad movie directed by David Ayer, and that it is instead a whole new take by James Gunn. Huh? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes sense, actually, I think. Okay. If you're going to hire James Gunn, one of the more talented screenwriters and comic book history it's not a long history we no. can just start picking people at this point <laughs> and the russos are the best directors or whatever the case is um you let him do what he wants yeah. I mean, you hired him for that reason for his creative energy mm-hmm. uh so let him put together a new squad if necessary or you know i mean obviously they have some great actors in their mm-hmm. roles from past so whatever the point being yeah let him, let him let him have creative freedom, even if it means not a direct sequel. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why you would, if you can get James Gunn. Like, I'm assuming this started as, like, a general meeting with Gunn after he was fired by Marvel. Warner Brothers, DC met with him and was like, hey, here's the three dozen properties we are developing. Which one of these, you know, is most interesting to you? And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I, Suicide Squad, I would love to do that. And he, they're like, all right, cool. So, like, you, you already have Enchantress up. He's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, no, I want to do something completely different. I want to, like, I can maybe still use some of those actors, but this is going to be a completely different take on that, on those characters, on the concept. Um, and I think that's a good idea because, like you said, why pigeonhole James Gunn to fit the vision that David Ayer started to do, but then Warner Brothers basically took out of his hands and handed it to a, you know, a marketing team to finish up the movie. Mm-hmm. Why do that to James Gunn when you can instead just let him 
kind of go free with this. And I think personally, like this is a great option for the suicide squad to go R rated. Um, because even though, I mean, James Gunn has obviously, you know, become very big and famous because of his work on guardians, his earlier stuff was R. it was dark, um, especially dark humor, whether it was super or slither. Um, and I think if you look at super, there is like a template there for what you could make for James Gunn's uh, Suicide Squad. You don't have to have necessarily the Rain Wilson and Ellen Page, um, you know, be the leads. Sure. I would gladly take either of them in a minor role, absolutely. But like, I would love to see because the comparison that Suicide Squad got after it came out was that oh, this is like DC's Guardians kind of. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to see James Gunn just do DC's Guardians. I want to see him. He can do another team movie, but do something different. And so if he can have more of a an adult violent version of the guardians like that. I, I think that sounds like a great move for him. Cause otherwise he's just going to, there's going to be those inevitable comparisons. If this is a PG 13, um, more superpowers, more maybe cosmic, mm-hmm. um, or at least wacky comic book stuff. It's just gonna be like, Oh, so James Gunn left Marvel or, or Marvel fired James Gunn and James Gunn couldn't return. Right. So he just went to DC to do what he wanted to do over at Marvel. Yeah, no, he's going to take some kind of different creative risk. Right. Cause, Cause otherwise what's, what's the point? Yeah, and what would be the point for Warner Brothers to say, come do the same thing? Right. Um, especially if Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is going to get put back on the slate eventually. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, yeah, whether it's through the Elseworlds banner or it's going to fit into, you know, some kind of continuity with what else they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? They probably don't. I'll assume James knows. Yeah, he's got James it. isn't like the type of guy that goes like, "Yeah, I'll do this. Mm-hmm. I'll figure it out." Well, I mean, for um, Warner Brothers' big scheme as a whole, I'm oh, sure okay. he's got his idea focused. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's not even Suicide Squad, and there are other villainous groups to put together for him to play around with, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I or mean, I mean that. I, I mean, ye- it's a very specific reference. that idea. I guess is possible. I mean, there's other DC villain teams, mm-hmm. but you're calling this like. Everything is, whether it's Suicide Squad 2 or not, Sure, I think it'll still have the Suicide Squad name on it because the mo- the first movie may have gotten terrible reviews, but it still made like $750 million worldwide. Yep. It, it won a freaking Oscar. <laughs> Which is so, uh, <laughs> you know, James Gunn joining this only elevates it. And, you know, I think that gives them the freedom to then make those d- creative difference or make those changes creatively. Sure. To be like, all right, people... The problems people had with Suicide Squad wasn't the characters or wasn't, um, you know, the action. It was the tone and the story. What is James Gunn great with? Tone and story. Right. And then he can just improve upon the characters. So mm-hmm. if you just give him that, maybe, and, and then I think the R rating would just let them do what that first trailer for Suicide Squad looked like it was going to go R. Like that's what the one that made everybody excited. And then mm-hmm. as they kind of developed and became more colorful and funny, it was like, all right, like, I'm still interested in this property, but I was really sold on that first trailer. Right. And I, I think James Gunn will bring them back to that grounded approach. Um, and I think hopefully be a really great reinvention of this franchise. Yeah. It's going to be interesting though, because we do see this pivot or we're witnessing a pivot in Warner brothers strategy. Uh-huh. So them automatically being like, we got James Gunn, we got to go dark or go we'll let him take us to an R-rated place, yeah, would be like uh, would be a little bit of whiplash, but they're also doing the Joker movie, yeah. which is supposed to be R, correct? That is, but I mean that's not that's the Elseworlds banner, correct? But then also Birds of Prey is reportedly going to be R-rated, 
and that is still with Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Mm. Um, and if that is R-rated, if this next Suicide Squad movie still retains Harley, then I think it would make sense to keep her then in an R-rated setting instead of because that was my big question when yeah. it was originally announced that you know we're doing Suicide Squad two still or a Gotham City Sirens or a Joker and Harley movie, but then we're also still going to do Birds of Prey and that's going to be R-rated. It's like how can you? keep that balance of going between R and PG 13 and not feel like Harley's two different characters, depending on what movie she's in. Mm-hmm. So if you can let birds of prey be R rated, keep a smaller budget, it becomes profitable. You do the same kind of thing with suicide squad two, And you just make it a gritty action movie with James Gunn with great characters and dialogue. Then you also keep it R rated, keep it lower budgeted. And with the director of gardens of the galaxy on all the trailers, you're going to get a lot of attention and probably a lot of money at the box office. Yeah, that's for sure. I just don't, yeah. Well, I'll say this to cap off at least my thoughts. Excited about this. Mm-hmm. This is great. He should have. He should still have jobs at Marvel, but he's got a job again. Yes. And I've got a gun project to say. Can't wait for that. I mean, right. there's one for next year's from Sony, but. Yeah, but he's that's a, that's a produced. Not to yeah. say that that's lesser, but. It is. Kind of. It is. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he, like, it's the same thing with Belko Experiment. Mm-hmm. He did that technically between Guardians 1 and 2. Right. And that movie came and went. Yeah. And I feel like this will probably be the same thing for Sunday. He'll have his whole heart in this one. Yes. While EPing on Guardians 3. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's just good to see, like, something fresh from him rather than, not that the other Guardians movies weren't derivative, but it's just, like, something wholly new that he's worked on. I mean, yes. And no, I mean he is coming into a franchise. Like I would have thought, James Gunn next James Gunn's next project would have been an original idea, like a smaller indie movie or something, going back to those roots. And then he like once he like not sh- showed to studios that he still had it, but like once like he got the critical response, people were like James Gunn is still incredible. We need to have another big blockbuster from him. Then he would join DC. Did, do you think he's lost some of his luster? I don't think so. Okay. But yeah. uh, but so it's that's just why I just kind of like no, he can go from big project. Right, big right, project. right. I just, you know, I just uh, thought that after, you know, maybe going through the corporate stuff with D- with Disney and Marvel, he would be like, you know, what, I'm going to take some creative control myself, go back, scale it back and yeah. do something that's maybe more of a passion project than taking over Suicide Squad. Yeah, I think I mean, I, do you think he lost creative control? No, but it's just like, you know, he's dealing with the corporate overlords and like oh, yeah. and like but that that's going to be the same thing. Sure. I just think this goes to show you ultimately, though, how much how all that was just BS. It was just like a Twitter mob firing. Oh, yeah. And so Warner Bros. is like, okay, if, well, if you don't want to, we, yeah. we know. That's so, absolutely what it was. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's, that's kind of like what my feel is. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't see James Gunn being like, no, I don't want to go make $10 million to direct a Warner Brothers movie. That, yeah, that, that's true. Um, <laughs> Not that it, money is the only thing that matters, <laughs> but it's one thing. But money does talk. You know, um, I'm excited. So am I, but I am also, I got to pour one out because I'm sad for my man, Gavin O'Connor. I was excited about his vision of suicide, even though we don't know what his vision was. <laughs> right. The idea I had in my head of what a Gavin O'Connor Suicide Squad 2 would look like. It's kind of the same thing I'm pitching for James Gunn. Like, mm-hmm. I want this gritty R-rated Suicide Squad that, like, doesn't have any sensors or um, can just kind of go for it and just be itself. But now he's going to be doing some NBA alcoholic rehab movie with Ben Affleck. So that sounds cool. Um, and I'll just have oh, to yeah, see that. So, yeah, something like that. Or something, yeah. Something Whatever like it's called. Out. But anyway. I'm excited for that. Once that's out of the way, which she was already doing. Yes. 
Warrior two, baby. Man, I I would love I would love that. I just don't think it's happening. Boxing and MMA or boxing has never been bigger, so it's the perfect time yeah. to slide this in here between the gap of Creed two and Creed three, or mm-hmm. Creed three and Creed four. I I'm so ready for it, and I'm really high on Tom Hardy right now. Joel Edgerton's uh, the same. Great. He's the same as usual. I was he's just great. Say he's never been big, better or bigger, <laughs> but he's just, he's the same. So fair enough. But yeah, I mean, I thought you were gonna go. Green Hornet, because you were really excited when he was announced for that project. Yeah, they need to get that going, too. Well, look, I just watched L.A. Confidential. Yeah. I love a little Norish uh, I mean, that, like that could that. be where he goes after his movie with Ben Affleck. Who knows? Because their last movie, collaboration, Accountant, was great, no matter what the Rotten Tomatoes score may be. Um, so let's move on to a Marvel director who's actually staying with Marvel. Unsurprisingly, uh, THR confirmed that Ryan Coogler is officially back for Black Panther 2, he is going to write and direct the movie for Disney and Marvel. Uh, the plan is reportedly for Coogler to write and develop the script over the next year so that they, that way they can hopefully start filming in, in late 2019 or early 2020, depending on when the large ensemble growing uh, cast is actually available to actually shoot this movie now. Oh, yeah. Um, because you still have to get like Winston Duke, Lupita Nyong'o, Denai Guerrero, mm-hmm. Chadwick Boseman, Letitia Wright. Um, you got to get all the people back and those people just keep booking more and more projects. So it'll be tough, but I'm just thrilled that Coogler is back. Um, not that this movie would have been doomed without Coogler, but when we did our phase four prediction, I said like, I need a Coogler sequel. I can't have him just keep starting these great things and not see where he would have taken it. So um, to see him come back for this, I think is a big is a big step um, because I think it shows a commitment from Marvel um, by Coogler to let him kind of do his own thing and keep telling these you know these giant blockbuster two hundred million dollar movies, but still have like something to say in them, which I think was one of the parts about Black Panther that a lot of people um, really latched onto. Mm-hmm. So if he can continue that, go bigger. Give a chance, to give him a chance to further explore Wakanda, all the different you know kind of kingdoms that exist in there, the power balance, what happens after Avengers Four. Um, I'm thrilled that this is happening. So uh, this is great news. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, in like, first of all, did Winston Duke book some kind of movie just this last week? Didn't he? He did. I forget what it was. It's um, something from Paramount. Uh, he just he joined a Netflix movie. Mark That's Wahlberg and Peter Berg, yes. and like a bunch of other people. Anyway, good for him. Yeah, sorry. And he's supposed to do a Kimbo Slice biopic, and uh, supposed to do all this stuff. As soon as you said that, I'm like, he got some. He's got like a ton of traction mm-hmm. that we were waiting for, and then or that we were hoping that he would get yes. because he's so good. And my mind was just stuck there for a second. But yeah, I, we didn't not expect this to happen. Right. It was just kind of like we was like so weird that it was. Why'd it take him almost a year? Or not almost a year. Almost a year? Yeah, almost uh, a year. It took him like uh, seven months. Yeah. But it sounds like it happened a little bit ago. Yeah. Quietly, no fanfare. Because, yeah, we're like, we all expected this. Well, and apparently, like, in the TH article, they were saying that, like, yes, this isn't common to wait so long to get this deal done um, from both a studio perspective and from the director's perspective because Marvel and Disney are like, Coogler, you just made us a billion dollars. Here's a lot of money come mm-hmm. come back and then if you're a director that just made all that money you would likely want to return and make a lot more money but it seemed like Kugler and his team were just like you know what we're going to take it slow we're going to kind of look through all of our options before making sure this is the project we want to dedicate the next you know two to three years of our time to right. which I think is a really good move for them um, and that this is ultimately what they chose 
I think speaks volumes. Kind of wonders if it was a negotiating tactic, or not a good negotiating tactic, but sort of like, does anyone else want to pay us a little more? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know Ryan Coogler, but I got you. Got to imagine after making another billion dollars to film that there are other projects with his name on it. Yeah, and um, I think the Variety Report mentioned that he may try to shoot a movie in between. Still, um, that there was a like his take on Twelve Angry Men that. Like that's a project that he's apparently been trying to get off the ground and like has been secretly moving to maybe get it to film like this year, potentially, or, or I guess next year. Um, Cause then he had, there's also a just mercy drama with um, that he's attached to with Michael B. Jordan. So Mm. um, he, there are other projects obviously in the work for him, but I would, I would like to see him try to squeeze in another movie just to give him a little bit of, a break from Marvel and Wakanda before he goes back. So that way he can kind of be refreshed and see something else. Yeah. I'm kind of getting shivers just thinking about 12 angry men from, from Ryan yeah. Googler. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I still, I still, I love that idea. And there was the, uh, I mean, especially today there was the, the, the one project like him and Mike B. Jordan where Mike B. Jordan played like a, a teacher who, um, it was like with, uh, like standardized t- tests and mm-hmm. how, they were like being like rigged or something like i don't know it sounded fascinating whatever oh, it was yeah the how the, the system through which derrick rose allegedly slipped through to kentucky <laughs> um yeah oh man there's a really good story to be told there too that's yeah. for sure so as much as i'm excited for those other kugler projects i'm very excited for him back oh yeah here. this is one we're waiting for for yeah. sure um and then we're gonna stick with disney again potentially according to the Diz insider uh, they share that Disney reportedly has Lady Gaga high on their wish list for a role in the Little Mermaid. Now they couldn't confirm that this that they had actually been offered a role for her. Mm-hmm. Um, Disney's, you know, some other sites were like, "Oh, Lady Gaga's been cast in Little Mermaid," and then like Disney had to come out and be like, "No, that is not true. We have not cast Lady Gaga. We haven't even started casting this project yet." But the report was that this is something that they're that they want, that they would want Lady Gaga to join Little Mermaid in an undisclosed role, which the Diz Insider believes would probably be Ursula. If this is true, Lady Gaga is obviously fresh off of Star is Born hype. She's probably going to get an Oscar nomination, if not a win, um, next year. When Little Mermaid get off, gets off the ground, should this be Disney's first look for Ursula? One million percent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we just We just saw proof of her acting chops mm-hmm. right away. And that was a that's high drama, non-Disney, whatever. Ursula is like the pinnacle of camp in like Disney's animation, you know, vault. Mm-hmm. Okay. She would crush it there too. Plus, she can sing. Yeah. And we know Lin-Manuel Miranda has already been working on music for Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's going to be a perfect fit for that. Yeah. Uh, this would absolutely happen. One million percent. She'll be Oscar winning uh, or at least Oscar nominated mm-hmm. by that point. So of course, and then you're gonna get her entire fan base into this thing, which I'm sure the overlap is already there. Oh yeah, but whatever parts aren't are gonna be tossed in there. Who was the person you suggested for Ursula before? I did. I made a suggestion before. Yeah, I thought you did. Maybe we may not have been actually on the pod. Maybe we were just talking about. I it. tossed out King Triton to be the Rock. Yes, which but- I have. I'll admit I've been stealing and pushing all of my social media. Yeah. <laughs> um, people seem to like it. So it's, I think it's perfect. It is a great idea. Um, and yeah, I think this would be, I don't know. I was trying, I was like, was it Melissa McCarthy? It doesn't make any sense, but maybe it, maybe it was Melissa. I don't know. Um, either way, 
I think Lady Gaga would be a great Ursula. Like, it would be a it would be a different take on the character, but she has obviously the vocal talents to um, make this role her own. And then also just like it would it would be it'd be kind of fun to see Lady Lady Gaga go from a Star Is Born mm-hmm. like serious, yeah, um, you know, rising talents who like her image has to change as she goes through the industry to then go to play ursula and then kind of go back to like the more lady gaga wackiness that you know she's kind of known for earlier in her career yeah um i think that would just be a lot of fun and then Mm -hmm. obviously if she does get like all the awards consideration and or potential wins that a lot of people are expecting from her getting her lin-manuel um they have uh rob marshall the director of mary poppins returns and did he he may have won for chicago i'm not 100 sure about that but that movie was definitely nominated for a bunch of oscars um you could have a lot of talent on this movie. And if they get Zendaya, who they did the, that the Diz insider is the same source that report that Zendaya is another person looking at to play Ariel. So if this is true and you start off with Zendaya and Lady Gaga for Ariel and Ursula, and then you also get like the rock as King Triton. And then you get like, you just like keep like, you know, after like Spider-Man far from home comes out next year and like Zendaya and, Tom Holland have great chemistry together. You just get Tom Holland to be Eric. Oh, uh, okay, sure. <laughs> flounder. Oh so, my god. So what's got to play? That him. would be hilarious. Tom uh, Holland would be a good flounder. He'd be, yep. he'd be a good king. Or J- Prince actually, Eric. Jacob Battleone would be a better flounder. I, that, that could be fun. That yeah. could be a lot of fun. Ralph Fiennes would have to be the crab. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Under the sea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I, I. This is obviously not confirmed yet. This no. is just a wish, reportedly by Disney. Um, but hopefully we'll know more soon. Yeah, it's their wish. It is now my wish. <laughs> right. And it is my wish. If you're um, a person who loves, who wants to see the Little Mermaid adaption be the greatest thing ever, this should be yours too. Yeah, I think it, I think it's universally approved by the internet, which is very hard, rare. Yeah, hard to get that <laughs> these days. That's for sure. <laughs> so yeah, we just got to get we just got to get her on board, get Zendaya on board, get The Rock on board, and then get. Either Zac Efron or Tom Holland for Eric, and mm. then you just got to get a crazy good voice cast for uh, supporting roles. Get Noah for that. Noah. Oh, Centen- Centennial or whatever his name is from. That would be that'd be to all the boys I loved before. I could see that. That'd be pretty. Keep good. Keep that age range lower, for sure. Yeah. No, I I, I would totally dig that. Um, let's move on then to ticket or skip it though, because we have a couple trailers to figure out which one we're going to give a ticket to. We got our Red Band trailer for Bodied, the first trailer for Pet Cemetery, the remake, the first trailer for Netflix's The Christmas Chronicles, the second trailer for Glass, and the teaser trailer for Disney's Aladdin live-action remake. Josh, some a lot of quality uh, trailers this week. The Christmas Chronicles blew up on our Twitter. Yes. People are loving Kurt Russell's Santa. Which, how, how could we not have thought of this before? <laughs> Is is that what you're giving your ticket to? No, but he's easily going to be the best Santa Claus ever. Get out better of here. than Tim Allen. Get out of here, Tim Allen. Tim Allen's I mean, good Santa. He is good. He's good. He is. He's the Santa of my childhood. But I don't know. I like this more dashing rogue Santa approach. Yeah. Even though it's not going to get my ticket either. But the elf design, yay or nay? Because <clears throat> I'm a nay. I listen. I hated the minions when I first saw them. So I have no right to judge characters until I see them. They're definitely not porg cute. <laughs> I don't know if they're any type of cute. Yeah, they are downright ugly. <laughs> yeah, they, they they reek of cheap VH or VFX. That's yes. for sure. But I'm gonna give my ticket to Bodied because okay. 
goodness sake, goodness gracious. Um, I love hip hop and rap. And I love the idea of just like the underground, um, I don't know, the underground rap battles yeah. going on here. It's sort of like my favorite part of Pitch Perfect just being, you know, Drag back to its, you know, rap battle roots. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Eight Mile. Oh, but I imagine you would love Eight Mile. I imagine it's just would I though? You would okay. if, if if you love rap and hip hop, and this movie looks good to you. All right. Well, I'm also white, and I love rap and hip hop. So well, so am white. I. Oh, so I guess that's kind of my alleyway. We'll see. Anyway, eight, eight point being, um, this just looks fantastic, and the way. Um, I don't even have the cast list pulled. Callum Worthy is the main guy. Callum Worthy is just like rapping everywhere in front of uh, principals and parents <laughs> and the dinner table. It's just, it looks like it's going to be so funny. Um, also woke, but <laughs> at the same time, just disproportionately, you know, um, satirizing, but also giving credit to like that whole environment. Because mm-hmm. believe it or not, we all wish that was us. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like we even kind of think that's us sometimes. Oh yeah. I think I can rap sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I really can't. Or when you want to insult somebody on Twitter, that's what you kind of imagine. We're like, (laughs) take this. I think you posted something about where like, look, I found this secret message on an Avengers photo. I'm like, that's, that's a great spoof. And that's kind of what do I imagine? (laughs) I don't know if I could get that off in a rap battle. (laughs) No, I don't think so either. But the idea was there. And I think this is, this is going to be like the shade movie for a whole generation. Mm -hmm. We're like, did you see that? Oh yeah. That, like this, I think this is going to be one of those. So it gets my ticket. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's close for bodied um, because it is something that like I've heard a lot about. Like I just heard rave reviews from um, and I've just kind of been waiting for it because it does sound right up my alley because I do love hip hop. I do love rap. Um, mm-hmm. I watched love, you watch the trailer. Love yeah. Date Mile. Yeah. You you got to see my reaction. I was laughing. It was hysterical. Uh, plenty of time because like the best part about rap battles is when they insult somebody and they're really intelligent rap mm-hmm. um, insults. So like Callum really like insults an Asian. He's like, you know, that was a really good slam because you recognize that I'm Korean and not just Asian. Yeah. Like, this is just, <laughs> and that's culturally sensitive yeah. rap battle standards. <laughs> I was just like, this is, this is some great stuff, but I have to give my ticket to glass because um, that trailer was just incredible. I cannot wait for this movie. It looks like exactly what I wanted after, um, you know, seeing Split and then realizing, then kind of figuring out, wait, who who's Bruce Willis? Why are, why is everybody <laughs> why is everybody surprised and cheering? <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. Um, and then going to watch Unbreakable and like, oh, okay, I get it now. This is cool. And then getting hyped for Glass this whole time, um, it just seems like M Night is going to really deliver in this movie. So fingers crossed. I'm hoping I'm hoping I don't get my hopes up too much. And then like we go back to those Shyamalan of old or not the old Shyamalan that where he was great go back to like the middle Shyamalan where he was like, Oh, the happening. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The trying new thing Shyamalan. Yeah. Which isn't really trying new things. It's the third movie in a series, but right. Still. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out now what the twist is going to be. Yeah. I mean, not it's got to be a twist. It's got to be that there's somebody else's powers. It's all a video game. <laughs> and that, that means unbreakable split. And Glass are the greatest video game movies of all time. Whoa. So Shyamalan gets his twist, and then he goes down as a legend for making great video game movies. And then EA announces Glass. Wow. EA, though? Uh, I don't know uh, about that. But it, what can you do? They own everything. So Yeah, um, but I don't know if I want to go with EA. Yeah, I wouldn't give it to me either. But give still. it to, like, I don't know. I'm not a big enough gamer to know the different Blizzard? studios. Sure. Blizzard sounds good. Give mm-hmm. it to people who make, like, uh... Open world. Who doesn't Charted? 
No, Naughty Dog. Yeah, give it to Naughty Dog. Okay. Uh, last thing, though. Joseph Kahn, um, if you're still on the fence about Bodied, though. Yes. He directed, like, all of Taylor Swift's music videos. So uh, do you need any more proof? <laughs> all right. Okay. Get on it. Yeah. Um, before, we, before we move into the flyby, though, Aladdin teaser trailer, biggest one of the week, just, most anticipated, but underwhelming, yeah? Just lame. Doesn't yeah. doesn't show anything. No, it's just all VH, it's all VFX, and then they, um, you know, the one first shot of Mina Masood. Yep, and that and, was it. I mean, he, yeah, he looks like a fine Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Best part of the trailer though was the music, because I was like, oh, right. I, I started like now, start humming the songs and yeah. If if you're not going to show me Will Smith, yeah, singing uh, "Make a Prince Out of You," no, that's not right. That's no, it's um. Prince Ali, um, yeah. then get out of here. I don't really care. Or at least just like have him say, I, I wanted to hear his voice. Like, I mean, if you're going to have him pick up the lamp at the end of the trailer, like have him like, just like start mm-hmm. rubbing it. And then like the trailer, just like over the Aladdin, you just hear like, or some kind of, yeah, you like just see the shadow. And then you hear the voice. Let's like, come on. Yes. Like, I just want to know what he looks like. Mm-hmm. Cause I've heard people's descriptions kind of but then people are still being very vague about what they saw d23 but i just want to know what he looks like right and if you're going to start off like oh here's a very teaser poster with just the lamp and then you're going to do a very teaser teaser i want to know something about this movie but frustrated it looks it looks good i mean but that's hard to say with confidence after 25 seconds of actual footage i mean it looks it looks like an Aladdin live action movie, yeah. but I have no, I have no sense of feel for it. We don't even get to see carpet. The most, the person we see the most is uh, the bird, which now I can't think of his name. Iago. Yeah. Who is being voiced by? I don't think they've announced. We don't have an announcement for that, do we? They've hmm. got to get, uh, what's his name? Gilbert Gottfried. Oh yeah. He'd be he's, got to, he's got to return. Come we on. Can't change that. <sighs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, let's move on to the flyby here to wrap up this episode. Starting with, excuse me, very exciting news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Deadline revealed that Lakeith Stanfield and then Variety revealed that Michael Shannon have both joined Ryan Johnson's murder mystery Knives Out that already has Daniel Craig and Chris Evans. So this movie literally has all of the best people in Hollywood. Yes. All we need is Claire Foy to join next. Right. And uh, <laughs> it'll be complete. Um, uh-huh. This is this is great. I'm so excited for this. Lakeith is reportedly playing another detective. Mm. So I don't know if that means him and Craig are partners oh, and they're perfect. like you know Holmes the new and Sherlock Watson. and Holmes. Yes. Or if this means that Lakeith is like a rival detective, and that would, that would possibly be even oh, better. Oh, they're like trying to like race to solve the yeah. case. That would be perfect. Either way, Michael Shannon seems like the killer. And I hope that doesn't mean that Chris Evans is the kill E. <laughs> oh, no. You think? I don't know. He's just trying to get the core, and then he's going to f- start putting in all of the like B players who are actually like A-list celebrities. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Now, Michael, she- Michael Shannon, like you said, he's probably the killer. No. But it's too obvious. It's never the person you most suspect. <laughs> it's always the person you, you most medium, you most medium suspect. suspect. Yes. So... Oh, that's a Dwightism. If uh, you guys missed that, if you don't, if, I mean, come yeah. on, if you can't right. get that office reference, I should trust the audience, but I don't know. Uh, that's but fair. These are too great, especially if Lakeith is playing his more um, philosophical, like mm-hmm. you know, he's taking that role on for himself, sort of like importing Darius into a detective. <laughs> right, will be fantastic. But Ryan's so specific with the characters he writes. I'm mm-hmm. sure it's something different. Yeah, but 
couldn't have asked for two better people to no, join this movie. No, this cast is shaping up literally incredible. And I'm sure we'll say that again in two weeks. Yeah, when I'm sure they get more people involved. I know some people are being like, well, where are the, where are the females? I'm sure they're, they're, they're coming. Um, we'll just see who they are. Quick sidebar, you mentioned The Office. Did you see Steve Carell's comments that The Office probably wouldn't work in today's climate? Yes. Do you agree? N- no. I do. You do? Yeah. Like, like I've, I've watched some of the older stuff recently, and I'm just like, no. The, like, if, the, if, if they made this joke in 2018, Twitter would burn this show to the ground. Mm. And I think that is totally fine because that's, that's like the point of The Office. And that is what Steve Carell is conveying. Like it's supposed to be this rude, um, kind of unapologetic kind of humor. Sometimes Michael Scott. Either way, I just wanted to get your interest, get your thought on that real quick. Yeah, I, I could I could go along on that. <laughs> um, but intention is everything. Yeah. And the intention of the office was never to insult people. It was like Michael Scott's character as a yeah. person was artfully made the way he was. Yes. But. We were never supposed to fall in love with that guy in the. Oh, we're never supposed to fall in love with Michael Scott, at all. But it just happened just over happened. the course, and that's why they softened his edge. Yep. Um, around season three and season four. Yeah, because season one, there's uh, there's some stuff in there. You're like, wow. Right. It d- probably is not a great thing for this exact moment. Um, but yeah, no, like in a year and or like in a year, like you could you could. Maybe revisit this conversation and say, "Oh yeah, it would work." Because That's possible. The intention possible. of every writer on that show was good. Yeah. All right. Let's move on back to the flyby um, and talk about another Atlanta actor who joined another big project with Variety of Point that Brian Tyree Henry has joined Godzilla vs Kong, making him the third cast member to join opposite of Millie Bobby Brown and Julian Dennison. So again, an ensemble cast coming together with three people we love. This uh, this is great news. I want to know more about his character because we know nothing about mm-hmm. him. Um, I would kind of like to see him as the villain, possibly. Because I, 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 I like I like the vibe I'm getting from him from Widows. So yeah. if he can kind of carry that over into a bigger blockbuster, I'm all here for it. Ah oh, man, yeah. I don't know. I want to see a softer side of him though. Um, the 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 most terrible movie ever on Netflix, uh, Irreplaceable You. He plays like uh, the main character's best friend. He's terrific in that. Like, he's just a normal guy. Mm-hmm. Not that he hasn't played normal guys elsewhere. But I'd like to see that again. Okay. I'd like to see sort of Brian's personality come a little closer to the surface. That's um, Rather than be villainous. Even though he looks like he's killing it and what else, like you said. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he's great. Um, can't wait for a Kyle Chandler confirmation for that. Yeah, I thought he was confirmed, but then there was no mention of him in the Variety article. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure they confirmed him before. There's no Maybe way they're, they're just trying to prevent... Both spoilers. Millie's parents from dying, but who's to say? Uh, who knows? Maybe Kyle Chandler becomes Godzilla? another monster. <gasps> Mecha Godzilla. We solved it. <laughs> That's how it works. Um, Variety also reported this week, though, that Matthew McConaughey, Kate Beckinsale, and Henry Golding, the Crazy Rich Asians breakout, um, have all joined Guy Ritchie's next movie, Tough Guys, uh, which is kind of a going back to Guy Ritchie's roots of doing kind of these British comedies um, that kind of he started his career with. So after Aladdin, we may not have loved the trailer because it didn't show us anything, but he's already gearing up his next movie and you have three really talented people. So this sounds like a good start to his next movie and yeah. he probably takes that hypothetical 
Black Knight. <laughs> uh, what was the other uh, Captain Britain, Britain movie? Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably probably shows that that rumor is not true. <laughs> yeah, or at least not remotely close to yeah. happening. Yeah, sounds interesting. Just Guy Ritchie's got to win me back over with Aladdin before I say good for you. That's fair. I mean, he's got a job. Good for him. He's making his living yeah. doing his art. Good for him there. But my excitement. Whether like, you're interested or not. Right. Exactly. All right. That's fair. And then we're going to wrap up here with an interesting story. Um, THR revealed this week that Brie Larson signed on for a seven-picture contract with Marvel Studios. But then Larson said on Twitter that that is not true. So did THR get this wrong? Or is Larson just maybe trying to hide her like contractual obligations? <laughs> mm, calling something not true is pretty definitive. For someone, for someone, for, for for Larson to say, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I would, I will always hedge on the media getting it wrong, mm-hmm. or at least overstating the case a little bit. Um, maybe there's an outline for a seven-picture deal drawn up, or a, like, but a, there's like an option after four or something, or like an in, in intention to do seven films. Yeah, I mean, I will what, do seven yeah. films with Marvel before I do any movie hero movie with DC or something like that. Right, I mean, that's how the, that's how the contracts right. work. And then they come along and negotiate pay mm-hmm. later. And yeah. Like that. Cause obviously she's going to be worth like 20 million, 15 million or whatever by the end of all. This. Right. So yeah. Putting seven pictures into like cold stone ink or cold hard, you know, yeah, right. Into ink. No, ink. I think, I think how it works is like you sign up for this, you sign the seven picture deal but mm-hmm. i think the salaries are what's negotiable yeah afterwards so like even though she's already signing up with a much larger sum than i think any actor has signed on for a marvel movie she's getting five million for her solo movies nice. which compared to like rob Downey jr made like five hundred thousand on the first iron man well, that's because he was a risk but true okay, but ahead. like but like yes. that was like the that was the formula Mar- marvel's followed sure. since they they pay actors scale and the same thing can be said about basically off most franchise movies mm-hmm. um especially super movies like the first movie you don't get paid a lot and then it's the sequel where you get the big bump so that's right. why I like rob down jr went from getting paid like n- next to nothing quote unquote for an actor mm-hmm. to then getting paid like you know 10 million for a sequel to then getting paid 50 million dollars for like you know future avengers movies yes um and then, then like scarlett johansson's reportedly getting paid 15 million for her solo movies mm-hmm. so the scale makes sense but yes i i it's hard not to believe THR because they are right way more than they are wrong. But then it's weird mm-hmm. for Lars to come out and say, no, it's not true unless it's like, not, it's more than seven. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's 20. Who, yeah. Who's, like, uh, who's to say? It, it's weird. Either way, I think whether it's seven, 11 or like five, you know, I think it just shows that like what we all were assuming before that Marvel's very committed to Captain Marvel, very committed to Brie Larson. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if she signed a contract more than five movies, which is what Chadwick Boseman and Chris uh, Pratt both signed on for, then I think it just shows that she's around for a long haul. She's going to be the face of MC moving forward, which is what I'd like to see. So for sure, 1, hopefully the contract is very long. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's all we have for the news this week and for this episode, which brings us to the close um, next week, we'll be back with a review of Halloween. Josh, are you excited to dive into this world? I've never seen a Halloween film. Okay. Are you going to see one before? Probably going to have to. Well, if you do, you only have to watch the first one. Thankfully. <laughs> Goodness gracious. They retconned the, 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 the retconning the other four? 
which sounds like it's a good thing from what I hear. Yeah. Other than some people claim there's one that's a real gem in there. But anyway, this Halloween movie looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, Jimmy Lee Curtis looks like she is just going to wreck everything in her path. This movie and Twitter word of mouth so far, what I've seen is really Very good. Positive. So, and I love horror movies. Um, this is more slasher, which yeah. I put in something different. I put in a different category, but still scary. And I'm ready to be scared again. Um, I revisited Hereditary again. Oh my gosh, how could you? I I just pushing everybody to go watch it anytime. <laughs> that that is a one time watch for sure. I can never watch a movie. It's again. It's not as shocking, but just I mean, as someone who like appreciates what Ari Aster did in that movie. Yeah. Um, perfect. But Halloween Cooper, tell me why you're ready. Um, I'm a fan of the first movie. Okay. So not having to go watch the other four or five or six of them to know what's happening next. I appreciate it. Sure. Um, and I just think it looks like the trailers have been really good. Mike Myers still looks really scary as mm -hmm. the shape. Um, and then, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis coming back as Laurie Strode. She just looks like an evolved version of the character. Yeah. Question. Yes. Is Zach Efron playing Mike Myers? Playing Mike Myers? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. No, I, I think it's the it's the original guy actor. Yeah. Okay. I I don't. I mean, they've said that he's not in the movie, and that picture's just a coincidence. We will see. I I'm just, still a little iffy if that was true. How or do not. you accidentally walk onto the set of? Apparently, Halloween. it was like for like a like a like a fundraiser shoot thing that oh, was like okay. so happened to be like right next door. At, like Jamie Lee Curtis, I think was taking was partaking in it as well. Mm. And so that's when they just like took the photo, but he released it on like the same day of like all the other Halloween stuff. So it's just very confusing. Or maybe that's what reminded him of the photo. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. I'll be very surprised if he actually shows up this unless he's how, like set up for a sequel. Yeah. This is how moon landing conspiracies start. <laughs> that's true. Did we land on the moon? Um, so yeah, we're, we're both excited to see Halloween next week. Um, hopefully it'll be a really great time at the movies. Um, but we'll see you back this week with a big question going back to James Gunn's Suicide Squad and figure out who should be on his version of Task Force X. So we'll figure that out. And if you guys have suggestions, send them over to us. You guys can do so by tweeting us at Friends and Film. And then be sure to follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper and Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh. It's just Joshua Ryan. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, our iTunes and give us a five-star view with comments. Thanks again for getting to the Friends for Podcast. Josh. Thanks for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to turn next week for our view of Halloween.